What is going on? My name is Taylor and this podcast is called Who Knows? A podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry, we are just as lost as you are. Now in 2020. Who knows, fam? It is 2020. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope everyone had an amazing holiday season and took some time to spend with yourself and with the ones you love. Because both are equally important. Perhaps... The time with yourself is more so important. But still, I hope everybody had a great time. And I'm so excited to be back to finish out season three. We have some really awesome episodes coming for all of you. You know, I'm biased. They're all amazing. But I hope you think they're all amazing too. So, hooray. I just want to start off the first episode of the new year reminding everyone that we would love to have some reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, We're really hoping that 2020 will be the year that we grow the Who Knows fam in a way we've always dreamed of. And we could really use your help to do that. So if you have a few moments to put in a little review over there on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. We would also love for you to join the Patreon fam. Uh, if you go over to patreon.com slash whoknowspod, it's also linked on our website, which is whoknowspod.com, uh, you will find some amazing bonus audio and video content. That's right. We have a whole video series. And we have a Facebook group, and it's really fun. It's just a blast over there. And so if you want to join, come see what we have going on over there. You will love it. Uh, You can join for as low as $1 a month, and it will mean so much to us, and we will love to have you. Last but not least, not by a long shot, this is important, pet photos. If you have a pet and you want them to be featured on our Instagram story on episode release days, send those cute little babies over to us via Instagram or via email. The email is taylor at whonospod.com. We have a new patron. We have our first patron of 2020. Technically, she joined in 2019, but we are announcing it in 2020, and we're so happy to have her. Lisa Myers. Yay. We are so excited to have you. Lisa is one of my Disney girls, and I love her so much. She's a great time at Epcot and all the time. Uh, Such a good person to know, and I'm happy to have her in my life and in the Patreon fam. So, Lisa Myers, thank you so much for joining the Patreon fam. So we have a segment on this show called The Things, and it's where I take a minute to talk about a few things that I might be super into right now, exciting things that have happened, like events or accomplishments, or sometimes stuff that might be really difficult right now. Um, So the thing that I've been thinking about a lot is the idea of enjoyment. Uh, With all my mental health issues, I can sometimes have a really hard time enjoying things. I'm always thinking about how I should be doing it, or why didn't I do that, or any other myriad of bullshit that really, you know, does its best to get in the way of me actually doing the damn thing or enjoying the damn thing. (laughs) I'm really trying to work on this. I'm really trying to slow down more and reflect more and just spend less time rushing. I am the queen of rushing through life. Ask Kyle. He, he loves it. He doesn't love it, but he loves me. So it's fine. I don't know. I just, I don't feel like it's serving me anymore. Just that's how kind of how my life feels. If I had a sound effect for it, that was, that's what it would be. But I feel like taking more time to embrace what I'm doing and embrace myself might lead to some really good things. So 
that's what I've been thinking. That's the thing, if you will. Right, so let's get into it. Let's get into the first episode of 2020. This week, I hung out with somebody that you know, you love, RJ Silva. He was last heard on season two, episode five, with his fiance, now husband, Adam, talking about being engaged. But this time I sat down with RJ and Friedrich, who was there too. That's their adorable dog, son. You might hear him a little bit in the background. This episode is an actually an episode that I got to do on the road. I got to go to RJ's house and see him. And I really freaking love when I get to do this. I love getting to go on the road to do episodes and hang out with people you know we usually go out for dinner after or something like that it's always great I love it RJ lives in Orlando and does work in the theme park industry however on this episode RJ and I sat down and talked about the amazing work that he's doing as the artistic director of the impulse project a nonprofit theater company he created to quote follow artistic impulses that foster and create passionate works of performance that inspire and serve the community. What could be better? This theater nerd is loving it already. We talked about where his love of performing began, what fueled his desire to make the Impulse Project a reality, and what it's like to do the work of running a nonprofit theater company, which I work for one. It's a lot, and RJ is really doing it here. Not only is it just always amazing to talk to RJ, he has amazing insight on so many things um, and he's hilarious. But as a fellow theater artist, it was so wonderful to get to chat about the business and get excited that companies like the Impulse Project are coming to life in the theater world. I'm so excited. I really, uh, you're going to hear it. It's great. Let's, let's get into it. So here's RJ Silva and I talking about the Impulse Project and working in theater. I am so happy to have you on the show again. You are now happily married yes, since we spoke to you. Yes. Is married life everything that you hoped it would be? Um, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, it's great. It is crazy. That is, we get asked that a lot and it's truly like the same. Yeah, because you guys, I mean, you've like lived together and all that stuff. We were roommates first before we started dating. So it was like, I've known Adam longer as a cohabitant yeah, 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 <laughs> than yeah. like a significant other. Right, right, so, right. So, I mean, yeah, it's fine. Now we're just at the point of like, okay, what's next? And hopefully it's a new house some yes. down the road. Yes, yes, yes. So before we get started into talking about the Impulse Project, I want to do what I do with all of my guests this season. And I say, who is, insert guest name here. So who is RJ Silva? How would you answer that question? Oh, man. So like when I was trying to come up with a smart and clever Instagram name, <laughs> I said artsyrj mm -hmm. and i was like I, that kind of sums up like i feel like i am artsy where it's like a derivative of being like a person that does a lot of art because i feel like i am artistic and i touch a lot of art and i'm active in certain things of art but like i'm not like fully committed to one discipline or whatever so it felt like okay that's appropriate so i would say like it's that it's good branding <laughs> uh, i see myself as a very art artistic person which is hard because i think since it's so subjective you're always like well i'm not a good artist because i'm not like this person or this type of art i that's been my struggle but i kind of 
by saying that I'm artsy, it's like I keep it light. So it's very much like, you know, I'm I'm artistic, but I'm not saying like I am an artiste. Mm -hmm. So I would say I'm artsy. I was raised in the theater, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though I was a late bloomer. I didn't start doing theater until I was in high school. I did Bye Bye Birdie. That was my first show. Yes. (laughs) And that was like, I'm going to be a serious actor. And then I went to college at Loyola University, Chicago. Go Ramblers. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Go Ramblers. Shout Uh, out to Lauren. Shout out to all the Ramblers. Lauren. Yeah, Lauren was a was a senior when I was a freshman and she was amazing. We she's she's a walking Barbara Streisand. Like she's truly I mean her voice is amazing. That was kind of our ongoing thing. We were just like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> she's so she's so good. I, I could know. go on for like like even like like we didn't even talk about I mean we I guess we kind of did on that episode mm-hmm. but like all the stuff she does on the cat Instagram yeah, is like it's so good like yeah. this like just her too. Yeah. Like it's yeah. all so funny. Yeah. I went to Loyola to study theater and it was like a, a BA program. So we weren't really like focused on anything, but I personally focused more on acting. And then I also explored directing. I directed a show in my senior year called The Intelligent Design of Jenny Chow, which was like this play about this girl who she's agoraphobic and OCD and doesn't leave her room, but she is adopted and wants to find her adoptive family and uh, her birth family in china got it so she builds a robot that looks like her and flies what to fly to china to meet her family and it was like i compare everything i do to that and when i moved to florida to like work work for the theme park industry i had like a complete shift of like this is a different way of processing art and creativity yeah it is different and i think about that all the time with the difference between you know the art that we do in theater and the art that happens at like a commercialized like right, theme park. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I think I just kept going back to like, I had such a great experience in my school and that show that I want to like recreate it. So like it kind of led to my friends and I like, we should just make theater here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Impulse Project was born. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like that theater, I mean, that theater experience got me my job because I work full time in theme parks. So like it, that experience work got me through there. And then now like exploring community theater, the world of community yeah. theater here in Orlando, which is really big. And there's so much theater here right. that like I was able to like flourish and then like ramped myself up to think like, Oh, I can also, I can make theater. Too. Right. And I'm, I'm curious because you said you were a late bloomer and that mm-hmm. you started doing theater more in high school, yeah, but when you were in the Philippines, mm-hmm. did you, was there like a seed that happened earlier than just going into that high school theater, like when you were even younger? Right. I sang a lot okay. growing up, sang in choirs, sang in karaoke, sang at parties where my mom would force me to sing something in front of oh everyone. Oh my gosh. She used to tell me that in a, when there's a social gathering, I need to always have at least three songs ready. Are you? So that way Wait a she second. Could, yes. So she would just be like, every time I ask you like to sing something, you already have a song. Because then it's super impressive because it's like, yes. oh, like look yeah. at my boy. Yes. The more that I like growing up, I'm like, that's actually a more shared experience with like Filipino kids. I thought it was just me. Even if you're not a singer, like they'll just force you to sing. Cause it's, I don't know. I guess it's like a sign of like, look how good my like, kid is it's like they're just proud of you that's great I love that yeah. <laughs> that's really nice but also I just like 
I've only seen your mom in all her of all of her glory on your Instagram, <laughs> and so I don't know her. She's just a very happy person. Yeah, She's I'm like, but I, so I just love the idea yeah. of her being like three songs. For yes. Me. Oh like, my god, it was always like "Top of the World" by the Carpenters, "Lice La Bonita" by Madonna, because I was a gay child and my sister actually had to t- tell me once like you can't sing that song you're eight you can't <laughs> sing Madonna <laughs> I was like I don't care yeah so your parents like you know not only did they encourage your artistic side they were like yes you yeah, are gay it's all, yeah they were very they were very like yep this is this is you and like even and I think like when I when we moved to America and when I said I wanted to pursue theater obviously there was a lot of well you know you're you're you should be making money. Blah, 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 it blah, sounds blah. Like, like that comes from like the fear of like needing to yeah. survive once you yes. move to this country. And I think like that changed, especially when we moved, because then we are like immigrants. It was my parents had the like a culture clash of like of like now we are immigrants in America. And like that's our story right. now. It's like and I think they were just worried that, you know, that'll happen to me, too, which I mean, I I dealt with but I think I because I was younger and like I was in college so everyone was kind of like figuring things out right and I feel like I remember in the first episode that we did together you mentioning that in the Philippines you guys were like upper class yeah my dad was in the air force and your mom mom was in the she was a nurse yes 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 yes. I remember that it was like now we really have to like think about (laughs) which is like it that is that's frustrating Mm -hmm. like in itself because the idea that you you, they come to this country and they're like I know I can do these things and like I know that I have this skill set but you just look at me as like I'm I'm just an immigrant here and like that that sucks like that's Taylor look at you your white eyes are opening (laughs) (laughs) no and they I mean you and Maria Mm -hmm. are like Here's the thing, friends. I don't know if you might not know because you might not follow me on Instagram, yeah. but I'm white. And like, so I, I'm aware that I have a lot to learn. Yeah. I'm also white and grew up in South Florida where it was okay to say racial slurs yeah. because everybody said them in yeah. South Florida. And so like when I moved to South Carolina, like it was like a big shock. Yeah. Everyone was like, you can't say that. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. Everybody says this word. And like, oh, no. so there's like so many things that I'm, yeah that I'm learning from mm-hmm. you and from Maria and from a lot of other people of color that I'm friends with. Yeah. And I'm right there with you yeah. with like how absolutely ridiculous that yeah. is. And like, yeah, I, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't get it because I'm white, <laughs> but like I, I'm starting to yeah, yeah, like, understanding. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to understand a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I would like to say the fact that I did just say, I don't get it because I'm white is actually really important because I don't get it. A lot of people don't, they can't just let that be. Like, can't be like, well, I don't understand because I'm white and that's okay. It's like, no, I have to know. This has to be for me. And that's the thing. We just have to do better because no one's saying like, no one's chastising you for how you grew up because we have no control over that. So it's just like, I know what my place was and I know how I can do better. And yeah. Exactly. So your mom definitely (laughs) helped you to... Yeah, there was a thing of like... I I did have to... I feel like I had to like prove myself, obviously. Yeah. Um, But I think like growing up, I always let... And it's always been my philosophy to like just let my work kind of prove the worth. Because like at the end of the day, they sacrifice a lot for me to have this education and, you know, all these things. So like... Every time I had a show, I would tell them to come. If I directed or if I performed or, or 
whatever, I always let them know just because it was kind of a way of like, look, like it was worth it. Right. And I think, I think they know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I think they do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so the seed was planted. You went to school, you know, I love it's also kind of very similar to a lot of people who are in theater. It's like high school, went to college. And then like, like, I love that high school was like where you started to. That's when the bug hit me. And then in college, that's when I truly just like flourished because it like opened up a whole, I mean, you go through the history of theater. Yeah. You go through like all the different forms, all the different styles. Like you go through the intricacies of like how people get across what they want you to feel when you experience their show and especially in Chicago, where there's like the joke is that there's more storefront theaters than than like people. I really kind of just like soaked that all up, and I was like, it truly made me feel like anything was possible. Yeah, in in the world I love of those theater, moments. and you're just like, I could literally do anything. Like if Samuel Beckett can write a show about a pair of lips talking on stage, I can do anything. Exactly. <laughs> so like that really like opened my eyes. So this is kind of like my experience. Like I'm learning to be a person that can kind of like jack of all trades master of none but like at the end of the day like i can do multiple things right so. and so then when you got to orlando mm-hmm. you it seems as though maybe the seed for starting the impulse project was you were like well there's theater going on here why can't we why can't we make yeah. our own was it was there something that you felt that you that was lacking that you wanted to see happening was there something you were like i'm not seeing enough of that oh wait i can yeah. do that myself yeah so i think good like talk going back to like how chicago is there's a lot of really good meaningful theater um done really small scale that I felt like when I got to Orlando, it was kind of dry in that area. Yes, there are a lot of community theaters, but like I had to fully, I was never a community theater person growing up because I didn't really have it in the Philippines. But like just you have, there's a whole culture of it. Everyone is doing a show from your like neighborhood and Mm -hmm. they all have day jobs. And like, this is their, like this is what makes them happy. So if they're just doing music, man, they're so happy. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's just like, it's like their joy and yeah. like as a person putting up community theater it's like i need to put up shows that people will see and people will want to be in so mm-hmm. it's like you can't do the like experimental stuff like we have orlando has the longest running fringe festival in oh. in the country yeah and it feels like that's the only time that really like the freak flags fly you know yeah. every day there's no like there's no like active theater that people are working on there are a few obviously but like i i didn't know of them so i was like i want to be able to kind of be a part of that yeah and so when you so when you started what was your vision i think you said you had a mission statement i know yeah okay so well okay so my the co-founder my friend ashley and i we both founded the impulse project together we work in theme park like design and we in that business it's very project based Mm -hmm. so when there's no project that's turned on you're just sitting a lot oh man so there was a time where we had just finished turning over a project and then for like three four months we had nothing to do okay (laughs) so we just honestly we sat in a conference room because there weren't offices for us yet like there was no they couldn't put assign us to a desk for a specific project because they didn't know where to put us in yet. Okay. So we just sat in a conference room and it, literally I would just, we were just staring at each other and I was like, we should do something outside of this. Cause this is sad. So at the time I was like, 
I wasn't even doing theater yet. I was like about to do my first show in Orlando. And I was like, I'm re- like, like the rehearsal process has been really fun. And I feel like we should be able to do like, we should do this. Like mm-hmm. we should make our own theater. Yeah. And she, her background, she went to school in Michigan and she studied like basically like performance art. Like that was her. Okay. That was like what she studied. Um, so she obviously was like, yes, nothing is too weird or, right, or, right. <laughs> or crazy. Let's so let's do it. it. Yeah. Um, so we basically just like sat down and like had a Google document <laughs> where we were just writing stuff like, okay, what type of, what type of things do we want to do? And it's like, well, we really like the idea of like being impulsive. Like theater should be something where it's like, if there's an idea, we should like attach it and right. and, and, and run with it before it like lose, you lose interest in it or right. like it loses like it's juice. Yeah. So we're like, oh, that's good. We did the impulse project. That's yeah. How it started. I actually really like that. I think that I agree with that. And like, that's when I like, that's one of the things that I like about working at Triad Stage with the shows that I do over there is that, Anytime I had an idea, the director would be like, no, don't hold back. Like, tell me what it is so that we can try it. Like, maybe it'll be good. Like you, you should try the things that you're thinking. Like, don't, don't hold them back. And I really, I really like that. I think that that's, I think that's important because there are times where theater can feel really exclusive and I can't stand that because it's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. And it sucks because sometimes those things, you want to work for really good theater, but then sometimes they do have that culture where it's like, it does feel exclusive and you have to like break your way to be able yeah, to get it. But yeah. it's just like, ugh, then. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I also wanted to mention was when you said that when you're talking about like the culture of community theater and it's like, these people have day jobs and then they do this because they love it. There can be so much to be said mm-hmm. about when, when theater becomes your like your full-time yeah, job, your job it becomes difficult to yeah. in my opinion to still love it all the time yeah. because you have to worry about the livelihood mm-hmm. and and it's frustrating because the entertainment industry is like there's a lot of money in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry. Like it's not people's always like, there's no money in that. There's no money in that. It's like, that's not true. It's just that the money is not going to regional theater mm-hmm. and it's not going to like, people don't see the value in that. And like, and it's kind of sad. Like yeah. it is, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating mm-hmm. as a person working in theater. Like the people that come to see theater, I don't know if they fully understand it, but like as a person working in theater, it can become really difficult to hold on to that passion. And what's what's funny is that if you asked me 2014 RJ senior in college, I would have been like, I want to do this full time. Like, this is all I want to do. I will eat, sleep and breathe theater. I don't care if I have to work at Starbucks like during the day just so I can do theater like full time. And I think like when I came when I moved for physically moved away from that environment in in Chicago where it was competitive and like really cutthroat, I had to do a lot of soul searching because I was like, okay, now I don't have the same opportunities, but I'm still like I I have that personality right now to like kind of hustle and really want to do it. And then when I got a day job and like it kind of put everything in perspective because it's like I don't have to worry about this really important part of my life. Like I don't have to worry about my livelihood, but now I can truly just enjoy theater for what it is worth, which is just like enjoyment, fulfilling, like, you know, filled with passion. Right. Which is 
the way that it should yeah, be. Yeah, like, my best friend, my like my best friend from home, he worked as an actor after graduating college for three solid years. And when he finally made enough money to finally pay off his student loans, he stopped acting. And now he's a paralegal because he was like, I mean, I told myself I wanted to work to be a working actor, but like I got burnt out. And so now I can just be a patron. I can watch shows, be supportive, but still like now do a, a follow, follow a different passion because he always wanted to be a lawyer too. So it's like it puts things in perspective and I can't knock people down who want to do theater like that's their life. That's the other thing too is like it's we were saying before we were recording mm -hmm. that like in from where I'm sitting and like from how I understand it and how I feel about it is you can do a lot of theater and get mm -hmm. paid really well. Yeah, totally. But you don't have a lot of like sanity. Yes. You have to give your entire self like fully. Yeah. Like like Broadway. Like all I, I remember talking to one guy who was on Broadway and he was younger than me and he was like, I have like so I have. I have no, I have nothing else going on. Like, this is all I'm doing. He's like, I have gray hairs. So just like, that's my life. Yeah. And so like, you can do that or you can do, you know, similar, you can like not make a lot of money, but like, you can like keep the joy of it and you can like keep the passion of it. It really is not only, it's just about like, there's a lot of issues with the way that theater is monetarily and like how people get paid for it. But there's also like, it really is like nobody's nobody's holding a gun yeah. to your head saying you have to be an actor. Yeah, like it's totally. all personal driven and it's it like is. all it's very emotional. It's like you do it the way that you do it. Yeah. It took me after I left college to realize that because yeah. I think in college it's like, you know, the way you know that it, this is successful if you're doing this full time and this is the only thing you're doing. And they tell you that. They too. do. They and they fucking tell yeah. you that. And then you get out and you're like, oh, I... I also have needs to like have a family yeah. or like I have other like things that I'm interested in. So it really is. I really do love this art form because it is it means different things to, to people. I think moving to Orlando helped me realize like you can be involved in it as little or as much as you want, but it doesn't knock how passionate you are. Right. It doesn't relate. That's the, that's what we were talking about before that like the amount of work I don't even know if we were recording when we were saying this. No, we talked a lot yeah, before this started. But like, yes, the, it's like it doesn't equate. Yeah. yeah, the amount of work that you're doing doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're, like it's all relative. Yeah. Like it's all relative to how you feel about your life. Like every, like success is different for everybody. That's one of the reasons that I was so interested in talking about the Impulse Project is because you're doing something that like I know for a fact I've heard everybody be like, you know, like starting a theater company is crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, because, you know, but it's like, you're doing it because you want to do it. And yeah. like, because you're excited about it. And so you did it. And that's important. Thanks. So the origin story is that I, <laughs> I just contacted a venue and was like, hi, how much for two nights? And they said this amount. And I said, here's a check. <laughs> And then I went home, told Adam and Ashley and was like, I just bought two nights to perform at this venue named The Venue. It was like a cabaret space. And I was like, I now we need to put up a show. And oh, man, it, Adam was so mad. <laughs> and Ashley was like, oh, OK, great. And so I was like, here's a list of shows that I, we could potentially do. And that's like how it all started. I like telling that story because that was truly like the epitome of our name. Like that yes. was on an impulse. Yes. Like I was like, I just want to do it. Yes. And if I don't act on this now, like it 
will it'll go away. And, yes. You know. And you probably knew that you were going to get home and there was a chance that Adam was going to yes. be mad. And yes. like, you'd had no idea what your friend was going to say. He was very mad. He was like, you could have told me and we could have done it together. And I was like, I know, but you would have talked me off. Yeah. <laughs> so you just had to go for so it. So I had to do it. And it was, this was like months before our wedding. And so he was like, we are doing something. We're busy. And I was like, no, we're not. We could do this too. <laughs> so like, was this before you like had a website and had all this shit together? I had no plan. I literally was just like, I just bought two nights in July, a Thursday and a Saturday. I was like, they couldn't do Fridays because they have their own cabarets. But I figured we could like, you know, advertise the show on that right. Friday. And they were like, what show? <laughs> what show are you talking about? And so that's how it started. I had scribbled ideas on a notebook. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we could do like a like a take on like Alcoholics Anonymous but instead it was all ingenues from different musicals of like them like singing about like why can't my man love me and then at the end they realize oh I don't need men like screw men that bit just became the show and, and that so became you, our first show. So the first show that you did did you write it? Yeah. Oh, you really <laughs> went for it, man. Dude. You were like, we're going to start a theater company. We're going to put on a show and I'm going to write it. And did you direct it too? Yeah. <laughs> so like, that was the thing. And I think like after that, the show was really great. Like it turned out really great. What and was it called? It was called Ingenues Anonymous. Okay. <laughs> One of the local papers came and saw and <gasps> yes. wrote about it. And they wrote the, since we only had two nights, they wrote about it after, but it was still cool to like have yeah. something. Yeah. Because he wrote, like, it was truly, like, playful. And you can tell these kids, like, these kids are having fun. They kind of took the the traditional, like, park and bark cabaret and, like, f you know, like, flipped it to, to add, like, an, 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 another element to it. So I was like, yes, like, maybe this is it. Yeah, those <laughs> moments I have. I just got an email today. This is the first time I've ever gotten an email from a stranger. Mm -hmm. Who, oh, about like your work? Yeah. Oh. There's some some person, her name is Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. She says she listens to the show and she told me that she likes it. And like, and it's, there's something about when, here's the thing, your friends <laughs> have to tell you that your work yes. is good. But when strangers, when strangers tell you, it, you're, you're like, like oh, yes! it's real. Yeah. Because yeah, a stranger wouldn't lie to me. Exactly. And like, so like the shows that we've done after that have kind of, well, we, I did another cabaret, but like, the cabaret was good, but I wrote it with a prompt and it like just didn't feel like genuine. Mm -hmm. So Adam was like, you wrote like a, a home, like a, it was homework. It felt like it was homework. And and then after that, we produced a show that was already written. It was a play by a friend of ours in Chicago. He was actually a playwriting professor about his family story and how it relates to their their first trip to Disneyland. Is that what happiest place on earth? Oh yeah. my god! So it was a one man show. Yeah, Adam was the one man. Yeah, <laughs> he'll never forgive me for that too. <laughs> and that felt really good too because it was like we were reaching out to people. There were people after the show that was like that was amazing. Like I love that story. Like. Adam played those different characters. Like it was their first time seeing a one man show. So they didn't really know what to expect. The Sentinel also wrote us a really good review. They, he raved about Adam's blue eyes, but I was like, I know what I'm working with. <laughs> and they were like, he was a really good performer. So it was like, it was kind of cool to have a show where I didn't have to write. And yeah. I, you know, we kind of just got to direct. And then we've done two workshops um, with an original play too so it's like we've done a lot of different small things 
And now as we go into our second year, we're trying to figure out really like what was successful? What did we learn in our first year of theater? And yeah. like what we want to move forward to? And like that stuff is really exciting. Yeah. Too. I'm a planner. I love to be like, yeah. let's analyze. Yes. <laughs> I love it. What's really funny is that I'm just kind of now like coming to the realization that this is very similar to how Who Knows started. Oh, really? Because oh. like I was just like, I started listening to podcasts. I didn't even know that the app was on my phone. I was like, oh my gosh. Because like, here's the deal. In theater, sound is the last thing that anybody cares mm-hmm. about. They, they only care about it when it doesn't work. Like, I mean, the Tony was taken from us, all that kind of stuff. And so it's like very clear that like sound is not always at the forefront of people's minds in theater. The thing that I loved about podcasting is that sound is it. That's all there is. And so I was like, this is it. Like, this is the thing that I can do. There was a point in my life where I wanted to start a theater company because I wanted to do my own thing Yeah, because I was like so sick of like only doing what other people wanted me to do. And like, cause as a designer, somebody long ago said this to me, Jason Romney, actually, he was in season one, shout out to Jason Romney (laughs) for teaching me everything I know. He said that There's a difference between a designer and an artist. And an artist is like, here's my thing. I don't care if you like it. This is like my thing. Like it's my heart out on the canvas. And as a designer, you put your heart out on the canvas and you say, now do you like that? Because if you don't, I can change everything about it. And like, I like being a designer, like, Mm -hmm. because you still get to create and you still get to have really good ideas. Yeah, and and it's like active and you're being challenged. Yeah, and I love the collaborative part. But the reason that I wanted to do the podcast is because I wanted to do my own thing and like really challenge myself to just put myself out there because like I remember in the first season I was like every episode I was like people are gonna hate this people are gonna hate this and then they liked it and like it all worked out like I remember you telling me that you liked the religion episode Mm -hmm. and that was the one that I was like I was like I'm gonna gonna get death threats (laughs) like people are gonna hate this and like that need to create your own thing that like you you can do it the way that you want to that was always appealing to me. And I was like, let's, let's do it. But I also had like no plan. Yeah, and like, totally. I remember sitting in Maria's house and her being like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, okay, like let's open up a word document. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like doing her Virgo thing where she's like, let's like get this <laughs> thing figured out. Like you Pisces moron. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? For me, it was like, all right, I guess I have a show or let me make a website. Let me learn how to use Wix. The the (laughs) website came like way later because it was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And like, what's really great about this story that you're telling me and like me realizing that that was my path is that like, that's a share, like that's something that we can share now. Like, and that makes me feel less alone Mm -hmm. in how, how much of an uphill freaking climb it was to get to where I am now. The question I have for you is what is, what was the most difficult part or what is the most difficult part about Uh, what you're doing? Like as a person that, that runs a theater company, what is the, what are some of the challenges? So I am a Leo. So (laughs) let's start there. I'm a Leo, like ENFJ. So it's like, I, not only feel the need to do everything, but also like am super critical on myself. I wanna be a leader and like the idea of like being a leader, but then do all the work. And this year has really been hard on me on that just because it's trying to break through those habits and not let that define being the director. And it's really hard, especially if the 
team is like five people. So for me, it's like, well, then it'll just be, I can just do it. Cause I, it's all in my head. I know what I want anyway. It takes like Adam and Ashley and Jason and Amanda, who are our two production in our production team to be like, let me do something. Cause you can't do everything. You need to figure out the show. You need to figure out how it works, how it tracks. If you need to make changes to the script, you don't have time to figure out like setting up the event bright for the tickets, but like. I like doing all of those. So it's, it's really hard. And I think after we did our friend show, after we finally put it up, we had like this big lunch at my favorite restaurant in Orlando called Ming's Bistro, which is this like hole in the wall Chinese place (laughs) has the best sweet and sour chicken that Adam's ever had in his life. And I literally was like, I need to know what you guys thought of me and what you wanted me, you wish that I did and wish that I didn't do because I need to hear it. And that's tough. But at the same time, I feel like I'm similar where like, I want to know what to do because it's going to be hard for me to hear it. But like once I like get over the initial shock of like telling myself that I'm terrible, I can like take that and be better. And like, that's important to me. And like, yeah, so I relate to that. And like, it was, it felt like it was one of the first times that I was like I'm actively listening to everyone (laughs) because like Ashley was like I really want to direct I also want to perform I like seeing all these performers and I was like I can still do that and Adam's like I want to direct too and like you know and so I was like oh I just assumed that I had to be the director but I don't have to so this year I'm trying really hard to be like okay I will write the shows because I really like writing and I know I have a long way to go it's like it's that's the part of theater that I am so self-conscious about just because like I know great writers yeah. so it's like how why would I even bother you know when it's like there's someone that can write it a lot better but it's really like it's the one that I'm like very passionate about yeah and I feel like those kinds of thoughts are rampant in the art community that's kind of how I feel sometimes when I'm like when I listen to podcasts I'm like why would I what's why would anybody care about mine but also I feel like combating those thoughts and realizing as a whole in the art community and even I could maybe go as far to say in society, there's room for everyone. I just, I try, I still, I tell myself that and I'm like, but not for you, yeah, bitch. Know, exactly. <laughs> but, but I, it's like, how can I be so supportive of this thing? But then I like kick myself that right. I can't be in that right. level. Yeah. Like, I have those thoughts where I'm like, there is room for everyone. And then I'm like, but not for me. But then also I really do believe that. Like, but, but when you have those anxieties and when you when you are so self-conscious for me especially like that's like one of the biggest uphill battles is fighting myself and how my mental health gets in the way of literally every single thing that I try to do people can tell me all day that my work is good the next time I have to sit down and record an intro for the show I'm like oh I can't do this like anytime I have to listen back to an episode I'm like oh my god I'm like and and then at the end I'm always like oh that wasn't so bad it was fine <laughs> but it's like because like it it's like my brain forgets that like I completely forget that that happened yeah from like a young age probably because of my parents who like forced me to perform so much growing up I wanted to be a YouTube star when I was in high school so I like I'm like not phased watching myself which is kind of weird like I feel like it's a very like 
Ted Bundy thing to be like, oh, I'm very comfortable like watching myself or listening to myself, which is really weird. <laughs> but also being like super self-conscious. Yes, but then super self-conscious. But like, I feel like that's helped me be like super aware of like how people perceive me. And it does, does not feed into my mental health. But it's like now I'm like aware of like how I'm being perceived. And like, I'm always worried about like how the people take in what I'm giving. And now that it's in like a specific art form, like it's like, look, this is a piece of art that I made oh man it's terrifying but it really is like it's it's really gratifying it is yeah when you when you do have like I said like when you have those moments where strangers tell you that your work is good you're like okay yeah I was like and then you think to yourself like really like I get a lot of like that you the writing was really good it was really funny and I'm like really <laughs> I guess it's funny to other people and not just me. Like it's, it's like, oh yeah. Like sharing responsibilities is really hard and being open to like letting other people, because it's also hard when it is volunteer based and you have to like trust that people are willing to give the time and, and effort to like help your passion. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. like a weird thing to ask for. Yeah. People. That's yeah. That can be really tough, especially when there's a lot of work that goes into it. Like having an understanding that, you know, people doing work for you is something that is valuable and should be paid for. But you're like, I'm doing what I can. Like every time, like all the money right now, we're making $27 on Patreon. Thanks to RJ <laughs> who became a patron. Yes. But all that money goes to Lynn right now because I want to pay her what yeah. she's worth and I think this is the step that she's going to be like I she's love like, you yes. yeah because this is, well, this is a, I think this is the second episode that I've said that and like that's one of the tough the difficult things about theater again monetarily is that nobody gets paid what they're worth unless you're like on Broadway and like you know killing yourself emotionally and like that's where we are right now so I had to learn how to non-profit so the impulse project is a non-profit just because our our mission is that when we create the the shows we will always work with a, a charitable organization yeah. to like donate the proceeds to but like money is definitely a challenge for a nonprofit small theater arts organization yeah. because it's like i need money to put on a really good show but then also give money <laughs> to fulfill my mission and the shows that i want to do like i can do creative shows that don't spend a lot of money right. that's totally fine but it feels like there's a certain level of like if I want more people to come, I need to work towards being able to put on a show at a different venue or like be able to buy rights to a show. We love doing the show, the last show we did because it was already written, but we had to pay rights for the play. But it took out such a big burden for us that we didn't have to like workshop a play or whatever. But like, you know, that takes time and resources. And it's like learning how the like crowdsourcing model works is so intimidating because I, I was raised to never ask for anything. So it's like, it's, it's such a bizarre feeling. But when you put a product to it, like art, I think people are a little bit more like, I'm really shocked at how a lot of my friends are really supportive about it. And they're willing to like, give money when we have donations like it's truly shocking <laughs> people are giving money for like for me to be able to like do cabarets about like silly ingenues and it's being able to kind of deal with all of that and yeah the money is a really big thing but there are ways around it like there are grants there are that we haven't really looked into but we're 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 looking forward there was a lady who reached out to us that I'm actually meeting um next month 
to talk about it. And she was like, I used to be a grant writer, like, yeah. but I love art and I want to be able to be involved. And I was like, great, like, let's work together. Yeah. Teach me what you know about this. And I can, you can absolutely be a part of the, yeah. the team because we need, we need people. <laughs> and again, that's another thing that's great about, you know, art is that like you do sometimes it's exclusive, but there are other times where people want to help you because they love what you're doing. And that, that brings out the community aspect yeah. of theater that I love so much is yeah. that we're, we all care about art. Like we all care about putting on something that's good and like fulfilling that part of ourself that is, that cares about art. And when you have those people that come into your life, like that's fantastic. Like that's really amazing that somebody, cause grant writing is hard. I know <laughs> like, it's yeah. hard. Um, but yeah, I, I would say those are probably the biggest challenges, but they're so gratifying, especially when you are able to like put up the show. And I think like going back to the whole community theater aspect about it, at the end of the day, people want to do it because they love it. For me, when I, when I got to those obstacles, like when I was like, the show isn't coming out well, how I wanted it, or I'm having, I'm experiencing so many issues with it. I can rely on my friends to be like, you're doing this because it's fun. Yeah. You're doing this because you love it. So don't put yourself in situations where you don't love it. You love this. Yeah. It just shouldn't feel like work. Right. And like, that's a, honestly that just the line you're doing this because you love it. And like, don't put yourself in a situation where you don't love it. Not everybody has the privilege to do work that they're passionate about. But I think that when you do have the ability to do work that you're passionate about, that should be something that you try to remind yourself because burnout can happen so easily, especially in theater. Yeah, because you have to give yourself like what profession where you have to like <laughs> yeah literally give yourself like mentally and physically yeah and it can and like what's so interesting to me too is that it can happen so quickly where you get to a point where you're like oh my gosh like I feel terrible right now and it happens like almost like without you even realizing that it's happening when you're doing any kind of work like that I feel like taking the time to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and analyzing how you're feeling is important. Like that, that's the only way that you can, theater cannot continue to happen or any art for that matter or any work for that matter cannot continue to happen if the people that are doing it like can't function. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what are your favorite things about doing the Impulse Project? Uh, I do love that it's an outlet for a lot of people to be able to, play. Mm -hmm. I was really interested in like the idea of play in college, like just like I took like a movement class, like I worked with kids. I think like as we and I there was like a TED talk about it too that I was like super in love with. Um but like as we grow up, that idea of wanting to play like just disappears mm -hmm. because yeah. it takes over for yeah. responsibilities yeah, yeah, yeah. and like creating a, a place where like people could just come in and like act like crazy, like, you know, like just mm -hmm. act a fool and yeah. just have fun and then be able to show that. And like for like an hour or two, like people can just like not think about anything, have that form of escapism. Also, like I work at theme parks, so obviously like, like I live, breathe and breathe yeah. it. So it's like being able to provide it in a different setting. And um, being able to provide it for yourself yeah. because in a theme park, like when you work for theme parks, you are 
the escape it is the, provider. Yeah, totally, like, totally. So having something for yourself is yeah. important. In Chicago, there's a theater called the House Theater. And they do really creative. They have a black box, but they like transform it. I like aspire to be that. They do a production of The Nutcracker that is so beautiful. They make it snow. Like they tell this beautiful story about this family. And like, I always think like, I like just, it's so good. People are so happy. And like to be able to kind of provide that and be able to do that is good. And it's what I aspire to. <laughs> what, and the thing too, is that like, just when you were talking about that and you just get to the point where you're like, it's, it's just, just so good. You know, it's, it's like, it's yeah. an, it's an unexplainable emotional feeling when you're like doing, like, I remember when I was doing next to normal and like, this is like super nerdy, <laughs> but like when the mix was finally like, cause when you're doing a musical as a sound designer, the, it's a lot of things. And it's like, and the mix, it takes a long yeah. time be because like somebody is actually like, do it like a person is doing that and like you know it's it's like it's just like odd, like rehearsing for the actors it's like the person that's mixing the microphones has to rehearse, has to rehearse. and like it's not always good no. and there are songs that are really tough and like that kind of thing and like when those moments happen when it's like really really good it's like this body surge where you're like oh yeah. it's happening yeah. and like it's like those are the moments why I still do theater because because that's the day where you're like I know in my soul that I can't do this full time, mm -hmm. but I can never give it up. I can never not do this. It's part of who I am. Yeah. Ugh, that's so inspirational. <laughs> I hope all of the theater nerds are like, <laughs> yes, like snapping. Yes, yes. Yes. No. Yeah. And like for us, it's like, it's, it is one thing where you get to like do a show that you love. Like I would love to do like, I don't know. Like I, People always make fun that I love Bye Bye Birdie. I love Bye Bye Birdie. That's one of my favorite musicals of all time. And if I could do Bye Bye Birdie and get the rights to it, I would love to do it yeah. in a heartbeat. But like having to write our own shows and make our own shows because it's free and we don't have to pay for rights was like, it was a hurdle in the beginning, but we took it as an opportunity to be like, oh, we, I can just play with this. I can literally do whatever. <laughs> so like be kind of like forcing myself to open myself up in that way has been really fulfilling because I never thought of myself as a, as a writer before, but like being able to like do something and then people responding positively to it has been really gratifying. And so what is, uh, if you had to give one piece of advice to somebody who is aspiring to open their own theater company or even wants to write or just anybody who is in like, like performing creatively or doing any of that kind of stuff, what is one piece of advice that you would give to them? Uh, I think like going back to the impulse project I think if you find a spark or something just run with it and like don't lose it like I I started writing in journals and I have like a stack of journals not filled <laughs> don't get don't get it twisted but like because I was I kind of have that mentality of like if I have if there's something that I need to write down I don't want to lose it I also like grew up having really vivid dreams and I still do me too and like it's one of my favorite things to do is waking up and writing it down because and like it's truly like and if you look through the journal it's like these are all amazing <laughs> like ideas and stories just like that are crazy um and I think yeah if you if you have a a burst of inspiration if you have an impulse like oh there was this audition and I just want to do it 
I don't even care if I haven't sung in forever or whatever, you know, or like I, there was this one idea that I had that I really just want to explore and writing it down. Let me just do it. Just do it. Cause you know, you're just going to disappoint yourself if you don't do, yeah. <laughs> do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And why would you like, you know, spend the rest of the day just like, Oh, I should have done that. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. And it's, it really, it was, it was, it was really scary. And, um, I had to rely a lot on Adam because he was the person that was like seeing all of it. And he was like, I see your, you like certain things and you don't like certain things. Like he was, he, he was a very good resource to kind of like keep me in check because he was like, I can see that you enjoyed this part, but you need to learn more about handling this part. So I was like, great. Yeah. Just do it. Just run with it. On an impulse. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for talking about no, this. I thank you. this was fulfilling for me. I know. <laughs> like this was like great. And like I think that a lot of what you said is gonna help me and like hopefully will help other people who are like in their like early theater nerd phase. And like I just I do love the idea of just like just go for it kind of thing. Because yeah, you know you it, it is always the worst feeling to be like, I should have done that. Yeah. I think too, like it helps knowing that there are other people out there that like also creatively like are in it. Cause it does form, you can like make community. Like I, I am still kind of doing that now. Like now I, cause now I think of myself like, Oh, like we founded a theater company. So I have to like put myself in that mindset. I should meet other theaters. Yeah. Like I should meet other creators. Yeah. And like, and those people support your work yes. and like, that's yeah. how, that's how growth happens. And yeah. that's how you really thrive. Yeah. We got to keep ourselves accountable. Exactly. <laughs> Am I alone? No, I don't think so. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be new knowledge about what it's like to create theater and to run a theater company, or a chance to get inside the head of some of those theater nerds you've always been warned about. Spoiler, we are just really super passionate about the work that we do and we put our souls into it so you know and as always we encourage you to have conversations like these with the people in your life the more conversations like these we have the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love learn new things ask people about who they are and what they do you may learn something new or get excited about something in a way you never thought possible i cannot express enough how thankful i am that I got to talk to RJ about the Impulse Project. Theater is my first love, and knowing that there are people out there working to bring good theater to life and keep theater alive is something that always makes me so happy. And hearing about how RJ just went for it with this really gives me the drive to just go for it with all the things I want to do. Such an inspiring conversation. Thank you so much, RJ. All right, here it is. The plugs of 2020. They're the same, but please listen to them because they're all so important. If you want to stay up to date with episode releases or see cute pictures of cats, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Who Knows Pod. We also have a Facebook, and that is at Who Knows. We feature pets on our Instagram story every day. Remember when I said that? Uh, every day we release a new episode. So if you want to send us a picture of your cat or dog or any animal, send us a photo over on our Instagram or via email, and we will feature your pet, your little baby. 
You can also visit our website at whoknowspod.com. I'm thinking about how I said, you're a little baby. What a weirdo. Uh, and if you want to send us the questions, we want to answer your questions on the show. So email us at taylor at whoknowspod.com. The best way to support us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Remember that one too. And tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your mama, tell everyone about the show. We want to grow this community. And I'm being 100% serious. We really need your help to do that. So please tell everyone about the show. And if you want to support us even further... Become a patron for as low as $1 a month for access to exclusive content and to help grow the show and make it better for all of you. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Taylor Dankovich, edited and produced by Lynn Barbera. Our intro music is by Chris Williams, and our outro and transition music is by Tori Silver. Who knows who's out there in 2020? But I love you so much, and thanks for listening in all of 2019 and into 2020. See you next time. Until they First burp of 2020.